You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. We're going to be getting a series entitled Signs of the Times. Everybody is asking that question, when are the last days among us? Over the next five weeks, we'll be discussing the end times and the last days. Hope you enjoy it. God bless you. Well, I am going to be finishing up uh, my five-part series entitled uh, The Signs of the Time. Uh, It really comes out of Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, where the disciples come to him, to Jesus, while in the Mount of Olives in the last week of his life and say, Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? Well, over the last number of weeks, I've tried to outline some of the thoughts and ideas regarding uh, the last days according to Jesus and the Bible. This is message number five, and I'm entitling this one, The Awesome Day of the Lord. The last message of the Signs of the Time series finishes with this fearsome declaration from John the Revelator, who is also the Apostle John, the writer of the Gospel of John and the Epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and where he uh, writes in Revelation, For the great day of wrath has come, and who is able to stand? The great day of wrath, and who is able to stand? We're going to look at that, uh, and it's the last half of the seven years of tribulation. Um, and it's interesting that he says, who is able to stand, because that was his warning in the book of Matthew. That was Jesus' warning. Only those that stand firm to the end will be able to be saved. And so here, if you're not serving Jesus by this time, he's basically saying it's imp- it'll be impossible to stand. So we, you want to make decisions regarding your life with Christ moving forward uh, earlier than later. And it's really not to the end of the story of the book of Revelation, that you see the full victory, restoration, the blessing, and the joy, and the wonder of your life coming to fruition. It's at that moment you are carried on to completion, that what he began in you has uh, ended with great completion when you come to know who Jesus is and when you're walking with him in the heavenly glory. The last chapter in Revelation says this. It says, look, look, I am coming soon and my reward is with me. I will give to each person according to what they have done. And I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. So he's saying that, listen, it's in me, it's in Jesus alone that we have our strength, we have our standing. And so there's good reason that the reward given by Jesus would want for us to stand firm to the end. He wants us to stand firm to the end. And we must stand firm. That's where you are going to be given a reward from the creator himself. This past month, I've tried to create a narrative of, uh, of the climax of man's time on earth. I've tried to paint a picture for everybody, a, a living picture, not just cold doctrine or theology or, 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 or chronology, a chronological line. I've tried to deliberately give you some of the main ingredients of last days. There's much I've left out, but there's just no time for it. But my approach was not following a chronological timeline, uh, and because really, uh, the truth is, our Western logic syllogistic society, deductive reasoning, is only one way of thinking, and often misrepresents the purpose of the book of Revelation uh, that John wrote. It's really a, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not a, 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 just a timeline of last day's events. The Apostle John, like most of the prophets of the Old Testament, simply described what he saw. 
It was more of an inductive reasoning. But he saw something, he wrote it. He heard something, he wrote it. He saw something more, and he wrote it down. It wasn't a chronological line. We are we kind of drive ourselves that way and, and, and been educated that way, but that's not the only way to think. So my aim was not in really revealing a faultless timeline, but an open-your-eyes sign line of last days. I mean, if you put the current events of the world together with the 2,000-year-old prophetic significance of Scripture, it should jar the student of, uh, of the Bible awake and go, oh my goodness, what's going on? And even convince the skeptic uh, of what's happening when you connect those two, both prophecy and current events, like no other day. Beginning with Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, outlining the signs uh, of the last days and all the, the things he said in that chapter, to Apostles Paul, revelation of the blessed hope, and to the Thessalonians of the church being snatched away, the rapture, in a blink of an eye, we're, we're, we're taken out, the bride of Christ removed from all of this, which would make sense, to the ultimate and final revelation of Jesus that John saw, and that's the culmination of the, of the events of the world, God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. There is a consistency and a pattern uh, that is absolutely beautiful in God's word of giving us prior warning to all that's happening. Now, listen, I must digress just for a moment because before the great day of the wrath of the Lord's return happens, Jesus specifically warns us of pestilences in various places. And there's been a lot of pestilences in the last 100 years that have really impacted our world. The Spanish influenza, 1918, killing millions of people to what's going on right now in 2020. Never mind all of the other things that over the last 100 years from Ebola and AIDS and different things that have really harmed many people, these sicknesses and diseases and passing on of, of, of things is is really challenging it's all there and so it's a big deal the fact that jesus warns of pestilence as being a sign of the last days should awaken us to the the current global pestilence happening right now wreaking havoc among us the covid pestilence at least should awaken the bride of christ the believers out there from the apathy and if we are awake, maybe, and we understand these last moments, we should do a little bit more proclaiming the love of Jesus a little bit louder to the, those around us, to our loved ones and those we care about. You know, the world government, I'm not looking for world governments to look at this as being a shakeup uh, by God. The world governments may not shake it, see that, and neither the local governments. Uh, but the church should awaken to that. You may not be awake to this. You may, you may just say, you know, nothing really. This is just another blip in what's going on. We'll get over it and the world will carry on. But for our church to fail to wake up and realize the increasingly imminent possibility of Christ's return is a thought that disturbs me. And it disturbs me daily. That somehow we think this is not a big deal. And, and, and it is a big deal, but it doesn't have connection to what God's doing. The word pandemic is not used in Scripture, but the ancient Hebrew and Greek words for pestilence and plague certainly are, at least 127 times. These words refer to terrible infectious diseases or disastrous evils. Well, I, I, I'd say that fits the definition of 2020, uh, infectious diseases and disastrous evil. Plagues in the Bible are often connected to God executing divine judgment on a nation or nations. 
He uses plagues to shake up the nations from spiritual apathy and rebellion. It's been done over and over throughout God's uh, word. They're a moment where he is looking for people to turn and repent. They're turning and repent moments. Turn in faith to holy, personal, loving God. You see, it's in his mercy he shakes individuals and nations, wanting to draw attention back to him. You know, it's curious to me. I mean, who could do this? Who, think about it. Who could shut down the, all the sporting shrines across the globe at one time? There's no way that that could happen. It's a billion, trillion dollar man, uh, enterprise, the sporting uh, shrines, including the Olympics, shut down across the entire globe. Do you not find that odd that something trillion that generates trillions of dollars, powerful men, it's all been shut down? I, only God could do that. And it's through a plague. In Exodus, terrible plagues, including horrific diseases, were part of God's judgment against the nation of Egypt it, it, until the Passover feast happened and the Jews were released from the slavery. In 2 Samuel, when David, the king of Israel, so Israel also has made mistakes, and the king of Israel sinned, and it said the anger burned against Israel. The Lord's anger burned against Israel. And so the Lord set a pestilence upon Israel. In the book of Revelation, there are no fewer than 12 times terrible pestilence and plagues come to the nations of the earth, all being part of God's judgment of sin. And that's where we find ourselves in the seven years of great tribulation that I began last week with. These seven years of tribulation are filled with the most devastating of divine judgments. Never before in human history have we seen such a devastating time in the earth's history. Unrepentant sin is being judged. And pandemics, the Bible says this, this isn't this isn't me saying this. The Bible says a big part of the wrath of God before his second coming is seen in pestilence. If you read Revelation chapter 6 or you lessened last week's message, you would have heard about the ashen horse, the four horsemen of the apocalypse let, let loose over the earth. The fourth horse in particular, it says this, I looked and behold an ashen horse... And he who sat on it had the name Death, and Hades was following him. See, death is not just a state of being, it's actually a demonic angel as well. And it says there that this ashen horse's rider was given authority to kill with pestilence, with pandemic. You see, immediately following the blessed hope of the church being raptured in the Great Tribulation, before the great tribulation begins. We are gone. The Christians are gone. We, the authentic believers in Jesus, those of truly who turn their lives over, are no longer here. And at the moment we are gone, move, removed from the earth, that's when the, the war in heaven that broke out with Michael fighting against the dragon prior to man's creation becomes seen on earth. It's nearing completion of the earth's era. The serpent of Genesis is about to have his head stepped on in the, in the book of Revelation, that he's become a dragon. He's grown over the years, but he still will be defeated. But the seven years of great tribulation began with the horsemen of the apocalypse bringing cataclysmic disaster to their physical realm on the earth from the unseen spirit realm. 
And that's more and more what's happening. The spirit realm, the invisible realm of the spirit, and the physical realm, the visible realm, are growing closer and closer together, and they're being marred now like never before with all of our abilities and all the things going on. I mean, most of the uh, 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 epic movies up to date really do have a spiritual thread running through them. You can look for them. They're, it's a biblical, scriptural uh, uh, script, but without Jesus being a part of it. Cataclysmic earthquakes, the Bible talks about, tsunamis, hundreds of thousands of people losing their lives in these events. The sun grows dim from the volcanic ash, from the eruptions and the earthquakes. The smoke begins to cloud the, the sky and, and it's hard to breathe because of the fire caused by the lightning strikes that it began to occur with all these other things being triggered. And in that Pestilence, death, and famine are part of that. You can understand that with all these other uh, environmental catastrophes happening, how food sources and food chains are broken and, and livestock chains, they, don't, they can't eat the grass, the grass is, it becomes an incredible moment of time. Now during this moment, something happens. The power structure, listen closely, the power structure for the earth's remaining inhabitants has been reset. Everything, all what we know, all the kingdoms and rising against kingdoms and nation against nation, all the destruction, it gives an opportunity for a reset. And what happens? That's the moment and the rise of what's called the beast or the antichrist. Again, right out of the word of God. You can see how this can happen. There is a charismatic, handsome man ascending to the forefront of what is left of the United Nations and the governments of the land who are almost going to war with each other. He appears as a brilliant man at first to be a man of peace. He's smart, he's charming, he's good looking. He has amazing ideas and strategies and coping abilities. He's been known by many for quite some time. He's had a public persona, a profile. He's always been influential, but now... He catches the attention of the kings and the rulers and the presidents and the prime ministers that are left picking up the pieces of the devastated earth because of the catastrophic events that happen. He begins to lay out a peace plan, an economic recovery plan. I mean, the peace plan, there's countries rising against country because they're trying to find food for their people and, and make sure that they're all right and they're going to war with one another. They're about to do that. And he says, wait, wait, don't do that. I have a plan. And, and they like it and it works because there's an economic recovery plan, part of that. There's a way through a famine. He reveals ways of how to create and make food and all the, the genetic modified foods and all the different things. There's a job stimulus plan. He gets people working around the globe. Hey, it's even possible that he defunds police forces worldwide by saying, I can build a worldwide police force, a global police force. It looks like an army. But it has no subjective feelings or biases with them. They're not going to have all the same uh, challenges that, that living people, living police forces have. He says, I got this great idea. Artificial intelligence can look into this. Artificial intelligence can bring uh, 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 crime under um, uh, wraps. Oh, and his greatest achievement. Think about it. Imagine if this man could really live. If you're listening, imagine, imagine if he could produce a a vaccine stopping all pestilence from spreading? Wouldn't he? He would be, he, he would be hailed a, a great hero. He would get the Nobel Peace Prize and every other prize. 
He says, I think I can do this in about three and a half years, 1260 days. And that's right out of God's word. That's how much time the Antichrist has before the wrath of God is begin to pour it out. And oh, the one key to making everything he says work flawlessly. Can you imagine if there was one key? I said, I can do all of these things. All you have to do, all you have to do is take this identifying mark. And that's the introduction of a personalized identifying mark we call, and is seen in the Bible, the mark of the beast. And everyone lines up for it. Of course they want this. This makes so much sense. Because this this mark, it grants you entrance into the grocery stores. Without it, you can't get food. Without it, you can't go to the gas stations to fill up your cars that are just coming back online. And boy, we want our cars. You can get bank your bank accounts moving and active again. You can begin to uh, become financially uh, secure again. Air travel is only allowed for those with the this special mark. Schools, you have to have it. If you can send your kids to schools without it, you cannot. We can't risk having any kids without this tracking device in the schools. Hospitals aren't allowing you in without the mark. Healthcare, you can't get without it. You can do nothing. You can do nothing. My goodness. Of course, people will be lining up. Of course, they will. Revelations 13 16. This is written thousands of years ago, friends. He forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark. Cannot buy or sell, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. So, of course, how many of you, if you couldn't get gas for your cars today and needed a mark would go right away. I need gas. I need to get all around. It would make so much sense. I can't go into the grocery store without it. I got to go get it. Everybody, listen, must be stated that not everybody's going to follow the beast and it's still possible to give your heart to Christ, but it will be very, very hard and only those that are very determined during this time will even have a chance. But let me tell you this. The Bible's very clear. There is no second chance for the one who chooses to freely take the mark of the beast. There is no second chance. You will lose the hope of heaven for sure. The many may be a stunning to most, but the Antichrist's arrival is actually welcomed by the nations and the inhabitants of the earth because he's saying he's promising them a future out of the destruction. But secretly, behind the scenes, behind the veil, the beast is a murderer. The Antichrist is a destroyer. And for those three and a half years, those 1260 days, he is secretly killing off everyone that opposes him, everyone who refuses to take the mark of the beast. For three and a half years, he ravages and kills while deceiving all those that are looking at him. You see, Satan, the dragon, the serpent of old, wars to this day with God and his creation. Is it any wonder that the environment is falling apart? Rainforests and deserts reclaiming more land, oceans being polluted and sick, ozone layers, all kinds of ice icebergs uh, melting in the, the north and the south. Well, it's all environmentally rela- related, but Satan hates anything that God has made, and he made earth. But he hates mankind in general, more than anything else, and in particular, he hates the Jewish people. The day of Jacob's trouble has begun. And we think the systematic extermination of the Jewish people that Hitler 
went through, that the Nazi regime of the 20th century, that inhuman, occult practicing Holocaust, it will become, the beast will start it all over again and it will be far worse. The abomination against the Jews will be absolutely astounding. And there is a rise in anti-Semitism today. It, it, the signs, friends. You say, why the Jews? Well, I'll tell you one good reason. There's several reasons, but I'll tell you one. They are the people God chose to bring forth the Messiah. They were God's, God chose the Jewish nation to bring forth Christ, the Messiah. Jesus, the son of the woman, a Hebrew virgin named Mary, was the dragon's downfall. And scorn runs deep. Don't you know? Scorn runs deep. It's very deep. I don't have time to tell you about the false prophets rise and the, the world apostate church, the one where it's all, where the signs and wonders are taking place, the false prophet is doing amazing things and people are gathered and they're excited to attend the services. Miracles are happening. People are being healed legitimately. There's, and listen, it's an amazing thing. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands people will go to and, and watch the beast or the, the false prophet. And it's forms of sorcery and occult, and there'll be uh, sexual rites going on and practices that are happening that are just, for, for many, will be unfathomable. And if you look back in the Old Testament, it's basically Baal worship. If you understood the worship of Baal, you would see some of these practices. And John, saw, John, the apostle John, the revelator, saw what was happening in the spirit. And so he reveals this power structure of the demonic trinity, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. And this power structure that is in the Bible in Revelation is virtually a picture of its in its infancy stage of what's occurring right now on earth in our world, right now, in the political uh, world. The democracies crumbling around us, the nations fighting, the internal strife of government. It's, it's basically having militaries rising up, flexing their arms and uh, uh, rattling their sabers and China and America and all the different things and uh, there's all kinds of pressures in the economic arenas around the planet that are being shaken to the core, recession being talked about and in and, and, and depression being talked about around the world. And what does Jesus call this? He calls it the birth pains. What are birth pains? It's the beginning and the birthing of something much greater. Whew. But then something happens in the heavenlies, according to the Bible. Something so unusual occurs. And everything, if you can possibly imagine this, takes a turn and becomes far worse than you ever have even read about. It's hard to even go there because it seems like the devastation is so big, but the, the, something changed. And right here in Revelation chapter 8, verse 1, Here's the moment of change, I think, from God's word. It says, he opens the seventh seal, and here it is. There was silence. There was silence in heaven for about half an hour. The change occurs and begins with the silence in heaven. All the angelic choirs are instructed to stop worshiping. No one is singing praise to the Almighty right now. No, not at all. This has never happened, never, ever happened before. The citizens of heaven cease their activities. The sound of the rushing water stops. There are no trumpet blasts or worship happening anywhere. Nothing, not a single sound is heard. 
for 30 minutes, silence. The silence is deafening. It's as if the entire heavenlies take a collective gasp, holding their breath because of what's coming next. It's the end of the beginning of the Great Tribulation, and it's now the beginning of the end. The first three and a half years, 1260 days of the Great Tribulation was horrific, but now becomes 1260 days of the fearful wrath of God being poured out on the wickedness of mankind across the earth. The beast, the false prophet, and all the wicked who remain are going to encounter a wrath like it's, you can't even imagine it. The day of judgment begins with the ungodly discovering what God meant when he said, vengeance is mine. We say that we like to think that man is showing the wrath of God. No, the wrath has never been seen yet. Up until now, the wrath of the Antichrist was without precedent. It, what, what I've been talking about is so beyond understanding, we don't have a real grip of it. But the Bible explains that the wrath of God is beyond that imagination. The fearsome and terrible day of the Lord called Judgment Day is at hand. Our Heavenly Father and Creator has never in the history of creation exercised His wrath like it will be in these days. Not in the Garden of Eden, after Eve was deceived by the serpent. Not during the great flood of Noah's day, where those escaped through the ark. Didn't, wasn't seen on the day of Sodom and Gomorrah, the demise of Sodom and Gomorrah. Or even when Jesus, his son, was put to death on the cross, the wrath of God has never been witnessed like it will be in these last days. Judgment upon judgment will fall on the earth in retribution to the sin of man throughout the ages. All of the wickedness in man's heart, everything that he's created for lust and power and perversion is going to be judged. Sexual exploitation of children, I mean, I mean, we have a little picture of that, don't we, with Jeffrey Epstein and all the powerful people that are going to be at some point named that went to his island. I mean, this is sexually exploiting children. All of the difficult and challenging of violence and bitterness, hatred, polarizing politics. God's wrath is going to be unleashed on all that man has become. By these three plagues, the Bible says, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the sulfur. If a third of mankind is killed, if it happened today, that would be 2,666,666,666 people dying. It's a lot of people, one-third Hail and fire and blood consume one-third of the earth. One-third of the trees that provide oxygen are burned. Smoke, sulfur, the the lack of oxygen. One-third of all the ships carrying cargo and all things, military, whatever, across the oceans are destroyed. One-third of the sea is filled with blood. Oceans are drying up. Fresh springs are filled with all kinds of poison. The Bible says, from the sky, this is Revelation chapter 16, from the sky, huge hailstones, each weighing about 100 pounds, fall on people, and they curse God 
They cursed God on account of the plague of hail because the plague was so terrible. They're cursing God. They're not turning to God. They're not looking to God. They're cursing him. Complete darkness covers the earth with some of these catastrophic, uh, you know, cosmic events now. Day ceases to exist as we know it. The blackness of light, night is perpetual. And in the midst of that, plagues of insects, locusts, the Bible talks about, with tails that sting like scorpions. You know, we try to interpret that in all kinds of different ways. I had a hard time imagining what that looked like. And maybe many of us did as we read through the Bible. What does that even uh, mean? Until this year, you discover the reality of murder hornets existing right now. Imagine swarms of murder hornets coming and coming to look for you in the night hours. Murder hornets stinging. They are large. If you don't believe me, Google murder hornets. Then the Bible says, then the kings of the earth and princes uh, and generals, the rich, the mighty, uh, and everyone else, both slave and free, hide in the caves among the rocks of the mountains. They call to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of the wrath has come, and who can withstand it? Often people in their darkest moments of crisis and challenge call on God for deliverance but not repentance. They, we want God to deliver us, but first we must turn to him. Genuine repentance is the only way to truly be delivered from all the crisis. I get it that in times of global pandemic, people are understandably frightened. No disrespect or hidden meaning in any kind of way. Let's not be deceived. It will take more than following government protocols to escape the book of Revelation and all it talks about. Please use everything you must to follow, to be safe, to be secure in these days. But making Jesus the Lord is the real key to your survival. It's the real key. The wrath of God ends when Jesus returns at the end of the three and a half years. 1260 days go by. The enemy is about to be sent to the bottomless pit, along with his demonic agents and angels. He's going to find his way to Tartarus, known as the bottomless pit. Jesus will judge him. The word says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. With justice. He's a righteous judge. He's not going to make a mistake. He's not subject to falsehoods, false news, anything. He knows everything. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and the name of the word of God, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven, with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones, following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Boy, that's going to be a day. That's going to be a day when he returns. Set up his kingdom on earth. For a thousand years, he will rule and reign before the battle of Armageddon happens. You see, there are great issues at stake today, and there are greater issues 
at stake than staying alive in this life. We all know that our life is temporary. All of you know we're mortal. All of you know that one day, as much as we try to guard our lives, it will come to an end. The serpent snare in our hemisphere is not materialism in my mind. It's short-sightedness. And we're vulnerable to it, friends. It's our insistence and drive for comfort to survive pandemics, to move forward. We forget that it all is temporary at best. And I guess there's good reason, because if this is all you have, you want to hold on to it all as hard as, as you can. But these things, especially in contrast to the persecution and trials found in lives of believers in almost every part of the world, except here, and certainly those hearing the words in the first century, these things must come to pass, the signs of the times. Don't be short-sighted. Don't just think that this is your only time. Most importantly, Peter says, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They're going to mock. They're going to they're gonna make fun of you. They're going to say, where's the promise? This is just going to go on as usual. But church, that's not the case. Peter says, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Please, I close with this, friends. Let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing in the last days. Let's draw close to Jesus. Let's look to him now. We are we, The rapture has not happened. These things have not come to pass yet, but they are moving closer. I'm asking everyone to be ready, to be prepared. You don't want to be part of the great tribulation. You want to be raptured or you want to die in Jesus. Those are the two options. Either one of those, praise God, you are delivered. But it begins with repentance. It begins with turning your hand, your life over to Jesus. Church, I care about you. I love you. It's hard th messages to share. I take no pleasure in telling you all about what is to come. But like Jesus, I want you to be ready. I want everyone here to be able to stand firm to the end. Mm -hmm.